full-time motocrosser now or you got still got a day job i still got a day job i'm working more than i have been the last six months right now trying to i got one more pro-am race and then i'm hoping my uh pro license will get accepted and if it does i'm gonna take a couple not take time off really but kind of just slow down on riding and work more start putting money aside for next year i gotcha i bet that doesn't uh it's not cheap no it's definitely not cheap i uh for 2022 i've been kind of each program i go to i break down how much i spend if i make anything back and all that and everyone says don't don't uh count the money <laughs> and unfortunately for sponsors and stuff i have to just so i can make a budget and uh yeah i'm i'm not thrilled with it right now <laughs> it's big, big money big numbers yeah it's big numbers and i'm doing it on a shoestring budget even and it's cool to be able to compete with the uh, bigger guys in such a small budget though <clears throat> yeah it definitely uh puts a little bit more fight in me for sure uh, so tell me about how your ride's been going uh riding's not been bad really i just keep working on kind of fixing little things um trying to get the last program I went to, it was probably the roughest track I've ever rode. And uh, we did about 21 minute motos. I think it's what it ended up being about 20 minutes, 21 minutes or so. Yeah. And I was smoked, which I'm in the best physical shape I've ever been in, but I've been doing kind of more sprint, like three lap, four lap sprint races for these local races. And uh, I thought, 20 minutes wouldn't be a problem and I'm learning that it's if you quit doing them you lose it even if you're still in good shape it's very hard to replicate that on the bike uh you know use of muscles other than just riding it do, just doing it yeah I think a lot of it because like I'll come off the track not physically like tired but I'll be I think it's more mental straining like I don't know if you know the uh lawrence brothers that run the 250 class right now okay but they they were just on another podcast and they were talking about like their time in australia and coming to europe then to america and uh jet was supposed to do amateurs for two years here but they did one year and like i guess their dad went to uh geico honda and was like your amateur system is ruining like jets endurance and uh he's like we're going pro because over in europe the amateur classes are like 25 minutes and here they're you know a class is like seven laps which is 12 to 15 minutes maybe and jet That's said he was literally losing his endurance of doing a 30 minute moto he's like i'm in shape but he goes if you're not doing it you're he goes you can't just go do a 30 minute moto like it's nothing <laughs> yeah and so uh, are you training like in the backyard? Are you going to all kinds of different tracks in the meantime between rounds? Um, I've been, like I go on Saturdays and Sundays. I'll go practice if we're not racing. But uh, I was riding Wednesdays at a track that does like a night practice type deal. And they do about 20 minutes for A class. But I've been kind of just working instead on Wednesdays now um make money at work and not go and ride and you save it so <laughs> yeah i hear that um do they have corner workers at motocross events um they have flaggers like throughout the track yeah like on some of the bigger jumps or if it's like a long straightaway they might have someone uh standing in between with a flag because uh, I've been corner working this year, and I was just thinking maybe, you know, another way for you to be at the races and possibly make money at certain events um, is to be a corner worker. Yeah, I've uh, definitely looked at it with a couple of the series that we run, and uh, I, I wouldn't mind doing it. It just it makes it for a busy, busy day or busy night, depending on if it's a night race or whatever. Right. But um one of the series that we kind of I'll go do a race here and there for they've asked me if I want to run like the starting gate or do help with scoring or anything like that and it just ends up being a busy night but uh my work pays pretty decent and like I said I can work 
almost as many hours as I want. So it's just a matter of sitting at work and doing it, you know. Sure. Takes a lot to do that, though, you know. But uh, as long as you're doing something fun and the uh, with your money, that seems like it counts. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely can't get your time back. So I enjoy what I do right now, and as a a good bit of my uh, family and friends and everybody else that kind of backs me says, you know, if you might be struggling now, but looking at what I'm chasing, you know, the struggle's worth it. So. Yeah. And as long as you're having fun at the end of the day, you're liking what you're doing. That's what matters. Yeah. That's kind of for a little bit there. I wasn't enjoying going to the gym, but uh, finally I like sat down one day and looked at it and it's like, I get, I'm borderline ride my dirt bike professionally. I get a workout, be in good shape, travel all over the East Coast and uh, everywhere in my van, ride my dirt bike. Like, it doesn't really get much better. Like, yeah, bank account might say zero in it or, you know, 20 bucks in it, but I get to do a lot more. You know, I, I know some people that have their bank account looks the same as mine, but they are sitting at home, you know. It's all about where, what you spend your time on. You know, a lot of people say they have no time to do something like that because they come home and watch TV for four hours. You know, you can't be expecting to, to do something great if you don't do anything. You're just sitting around consuming content. Yeah. That's my biggest thing. I think I maybe watch TV, like, for an hour before I go to bed. Yeah, just wind down. Mm-hmm. Um, are you a big video gamer? Uh, I'm not really. I've kind of followed it now, but I don't, as far as actually playing them, I don't get too much into them. So what's, what's one of your hobbies outside of racing, if that's a thing? <laughs> um, so I've been down here in South Carolina for, this is my third year. And I just now I'm starting to like, get out and explore downtown and just hang out with like friends so like that's different for me and it kind of takes my mind off racing and makes everything else fun again yeah so spend some time away hang out with friends and family and uh um explore a little bit yeah so that's kind of what i've been doing lately besides work gym and riding i was just uh cutting the grass before i came in here like 10 minutes ago trying to get it done um i still got got to go out and finish a couple lines but mostly done um and then uh, i wanted to come in here do the eric swan racing.com podcast i think it's number 65 with joe kremko so this is our second encounter already um so i'm going around uh again to all the people who i podcast with seeing if they want to do it and get a follow-up heck yes i'm excited for it <laughs> and you put your uh link in the bio and it was one of the most watched and listened to uh podcasts so thanks for that heck yeah i'm excited here i got a couple more new people backing me and a couple uh another couple people that are interested in hopping on board for 2022 so i'm excited to get this out to them and hopefully my following base has grown since last time we've done this too so get you some more views and help us both get noticed a little bit more Heck yeah. So tell me about um, who's new on board with you. So uh, I'm actually running up to the Baja Brawl next week for, uh, I'm hoping that's going to be my last pro-am. But uh, High Tom's Power Sports jumped on board with us and uh, he's helped me out get parts, do everything, whatever I needed for the brawl. And then uh, just one race and is, uh, he helped me out. He hooked me up with helmets goggles jersey pants couldn't ask for more and all like it's crazy because i asked him i was like well for what you're doing for me i said what are you like what kind of results are you expecting or what series do you want me to go race or anything like that and he's like if you give me 12 social media posts in a year he's like that's all i ask for i was like i more than thankful with that so yeah you just try they, to help uh, them out as much as possible and they try to help you out it's like a nice mutual partnership yeah, and the gear is unreal. I would, I think they do road racing helmets too, even. And like, I've worn almost every single brand of helmet you can wear, 
and the just one helmet that they sent me is it's a full carbon fiber and it's the lightest carbon fiber helmet i've ever worn <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah they have so, a lot of uh, new models out there and the carbon fiber is getting in everything uh just uh, reduced weight and it seems to be pretty strong yeah i say i've worn a good bit of like even carbon fiber helmets before and this one just it tops it that's awesome um yeah, there's a lot of great brands out there. Um, it's good to that you found one. Yeah, I'm definitely thankful for them and uh, everybody else that's been backing me so far. And uh, you've been just sleeping in your van or do you get hotels? Do you put out a tent or you got uh, like cots inside when you go to these? So, uh, no, like, so for the pro-ams, I've been, uh, the family and everything that I stay with here in South Carolina, like they're doing their local series. so um Bailey he's like my second brother he hasn't been able to really come to any with me so I've been going solo and I'll stay in the van and like I know people at the track so I'll find someone to go help me on the line and do whatever but uh the last program we went to I actually ran into a uh family there I want to say their last name's Newberry if I messed it up I'm sorry guys but I literally just met him. I needed to borrow grease. And he's like, well, where are you staying tonight? I said, you know, the van, no problem. Like, I don't mind it. Yeah. And he's like, oh, we got a hotel room. He's like, come stay with us. And I was like, well, I don't, I was like, I appreciate it. I was like, I got to stay in the van. He's like, no, like, don't worry about it. You know, it's already paid for. We'll cover it. So I was like, that helped me out huge. And then uh, actually at Muddy Creek too, I stayed with uh, another family. They took their camper up and I just asked them if I could, shower or whatever and they ended up cooking for me too and awesome. let me stay in their camper but that was the uh the patracas so i've definitely met some really cool families traveling all over yeah it's nice the camaraderie and people just want to help out uh just to help out yeah it's crazy i i mean i've been racing since i was four and i've been traveling all over since i was 18 racing but it still blows my mind yeah like especially in as crazy of a world as we're in like it blows my mind that people at you know it shows really like how simple the world is you go to a racetrack and you see how genuine people are and all this other crazy stuff in the world is like it doesn't bother us yeah it's very rare to have uh um someone kicked out of an event usually that ha might happen if uh, i guess there's a lot of spectators and someone might be drunk but that's that's about it right i mean even that i, I haven't seen yeah, I don't, I don't even think I've really seen that. And, uh, like, at the motocross track, it seems like everybody kind of just is civil and gets along. Like, there might be, like, one or two heated arguments, but you never really – it never gets blown up where cops are showing up and stuff like that. Or Yeah. Um, I did hear, um, you know, working with race control, being a track marshal, I heard one time we are at Mid-Ohio – they said we need an ambulance turn five inside of the track there's a little boy cut his leg on a stump a tree stump or something going off a jump i was like oh that's a interesting call <laughs> right yeah that's definitely like, not something, yeah, something you'd be thinking of at a road race right it's uh, usually stuff that happens on the track not off the track <laughs> yeah it, that's unfortunately i was seeing a lot of kids though even at like motocross tracks they get hurt playing around on their pit bikes after racing or they'll be doing something that they shouldn't be and they get hurt it's off the around, track. not even having gear on that's usually what happens right yep um i've been just riding my bike a lot um got some mountain bike races coming up i need to be training for uh, i just started doing the orange theory fitness uh i don't know if you heard of that if it's in your area i don't think i have heard of that uh, Orange Theory Fitness, it's like a fitness class with rowing, there's a weight section, and then there's running or biking. Um, so it's like a high-intensity interval training. They give you a heart rate monitor, and you're kind of like comp competing against each other, or you can at least see your stats on the screen. Uh, you can see everybody's stats. Um, yeah. And so the idea is if you're in the top two heart rate zones, um, that's ideal for that type of workout. Um, so that you're using your, you know, maximum, um, you know, you're going all out on the treadmill and, um, trying to go as far as you can on the rower and it's, it's pretty cool. So, um, I don't know. It's like 
if you have a, a class, it's uh, something you can't miss. But if you schedule a workout, sometimes you're like, ah, maybe I'm not going to do it today. If something else gets in the way and you skip it, and I'll do it later. And then, you know, sometimes it's hard to, to stick to it. So I just figured uh, if I get a, a class routine, maybe it'll help out. Yeah, having yeah. a class environment helps a little bit. Like I've been kind of doing my own thing for a good bit. And then uh, I had a sponsor that was going to hop on board and pay for a, it's a newer training program, but it's uh, called MPT Fitness. And so they were going to hop on board and we hired a personal trainer and everything. And the three weeks I got to work with them were like, I didn't want to go to the gym some days, but it's like, if someone's paying for it, like I need to go. And then, uh, unfortunately everything kind of unfolded and they pulled back on it with, uh, just seeing, they thought it was like a certain price and then come to find out it was a different one. Like Tyler, the guy that runs MPT, uh, it, like he told it up front and everything, but the way I guess I explained it to them or they thought something, it got mixed up, but, uh, they they didn't realize it was gonna be every month. They thought it was like a one time yearly fee or something like that. And <laughs> I gotcha. Sometimes it's out of their budget. Yeah. Um, but yeah, personal training can be great. I'd love to have uh, a personal trainer again. I had one for like two sessions years ago, and it's it's nice because they're just directed to you to you. They're dedicated towards you. There might be a couple of people they're working with, but normally it's a very small group, so you get that one on one. Instead of just a class, just do these exercises. That's not yeah. targeted usually. Well, uh, Tyler's program is all virtual. So like he'd send me my workout plans and then I would just send him my heart rate data after. And then uh, he'd kind of like critique riding and everything. So it's all through text and email and everything. But just even having that program alone took so much stress off of me for three weeks because it's like I, I'll sit there and make myself go crazy on what heart rate zones I need to hit on this day and what I should be doing and shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Are you uh, doing a lot of cardio or how are you training for your uh, motos? Um, so being that we're so far into the year, I've been kind of more, I'll do like a, about 25 minutes, 30 minutes of cardio a day at the gym, but then I'll do my strength training and stretching and everything. But once I kind of go back into a boot camp style training around November, December, I'll uh, it'll be probably closer to like hour of cardio and then all the strength training on top of it. But yeah, it definitely switches up between the seasons. What you're doing if you're getting ready for the season versus in season. Yeah, and right now it's like almost like Monday, Tuesday. I'm trying to recover, so you don't want to do too much. But then if so then Thursday, though, you don't want to do too much either because you're going racing on the weekend. So it's finding that balance. Yeah, not getting yourself worn out because there's a fitness level you have and then there's a fatigue level. And then your form goes down because your fatigue is too high. Yep. No, I've definitely I've pushed myself past the fitness side of it and just made myself extremely fatigued a couple of times. Um not so much this year, but I did it more last year. Yeah. And then you leave yourself uh, susceptible to injury if you get too fatigued and worn out, you keep pushing through it. Um, but it's hard not to use those muscles when you need them to race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I've been fortunate where, like, I kind of, I guess I know when I'm tired, so I won't ride over my head, but I'll still push myself. And then it ends up being, like, you get heat fatigue and, your, you know, muscles are just, like i've had it they don't even cramp up it doesn't feel like they cramp up but they just end up like burning yeah and then you just feel like you're on fire like burning from the inside out for a couple of days and it's just pedialyte for two days straight with gallons on gallons of water trying to put everything back into you and yeah uh, i would recommend sauna work do you do any of that um i haven't yet because being in a such a hot environment if you can shine when it's 100 degrees, you're going to be a step ahead of everybody else um, because yeah. you can withstand that heat. Like I used to do push-ups in the sauna and people think I was crazy. I'm like, well, you just start at one and see what you can do and then just go from there. Sit down if you get tired. Yeah, that, I mean, it definitely makes sense. Like uh, 
so down here it's all like clay dirt and uh there's some sand but nothing like michigan sand and we're we've been kind of searching trying to figure out where to go ride for sand to get ready to go up to baja and uh club mx has a public sand track that's like a it just all turns they never groom it and i went out there sunday and i did uh three 25 minute motos a 20 minute moto and then i like started getting blisters on my hands and everything wanted to go home and i said i'm gonna go do 15 but i'm gonna put a hoodie on just yeah. so that you end up you know sweating more and have that little bit more of a mental suffer and uh you just push yourself mentally to see how you know how hot you really think you can get your body or how uh far you can push it because like the end of a 25 minute moto the first one i was like it's hot i'm tired i'm smoked but then i did the 15 with a hoodie on and i'm like actually i could go longer i was like it's not actually as hot as i thought it was yeah, you can go a lot farther than you think you are than you can if you push yourself um and you got to push yourself to find those limits and uh i think that's what i struggle with a little bit because like when i go practice because the family and everything i stay with they uh the local series they race a lot of them are saturday nights and i go practice saturday during the day and then i'll go sunday during the day somewhere else or i'll go to the same track twice but they're at home sleeping and recovering while i'm out riding so i'm halftime i'm there by myself so to mentally push myself i kind of struggle with at times yeah with that uh accountability and do you run like a, some sort of lap timer for getting your lap times at all these events? You got a GPS unit on your bike, dashboard or something? Um, for practicing, I'll wear like my GoPro and then I'll go back later with the stopwatch and do it. But if I'm fortunate enough for like Bailey goes with me or uh, our his dad, my second family dad, whatever we want to call him. But if Jason goes with us, he's hard on me when he goes, but they'll run the pit board with uh lap times so i can it's easier for me to see in the moment if i'm off pace for the day than yeah. later on the way home and then it's like you find out later on the way home and you're like well i wish i knew that three hours ago so i could have fixed it yeah but uh it's definitely a huge help when someone goes with me for sure i was just wondering because i actually sell products like lap timers that are gps based so you don't have to have a person there with a stopwatch or a gopro that you have to go back for It'll, you can set like point to point courses. It's mostly for road racing. I'm not sure if they'd have motocross courses on there, but I know that you can create your own course. So maybe you could, you could do something like that. And then on your handlebars, you'd be able to see in real time what you're doing. They'll flash your lap timer up, you know? Yeah. That'd be yeah they even have uh, sensor hookups for potentiometers for suspension or your uh, brake pressure, throttle position, all that stuff. I, I've seen the science used before. I've seen it like used, obviously with like Ken Roxon and the top guys. It's just something I've never even, you know. I think it'd be cool to have, but I've never had the the access or know the right people that could get into it. Yeah. Well, if you're looking for one, uh, you know where to find me. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely have to look into it. I'll send you some links. Uh, see if it'll be good for motocross applications. I'm not sure about that. But I'm, I think it'd be okay. It'd be cool to see uh, all the elevation uh, that you use. Uh, going yeah. Up the Even, uh, I mean, I feel like it would be, you could end up using it. Cause like you said, I mean, road racing, you still have a start point and an end point, And it's the yeah. same thing on motocross track. I do know that they have a lot of the road racing ones already loaded. Like I went to Granton Raceway and I used it. Um, yeah. Granton was already in the system. So it knew when I was there. That's definitely awesome. I mean, I wouldn't even mind. I don't know if, like, say it's not in the system, if it just kind of tracks out where you're at and you got to make your own start and uh, stop point or what. But yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't mind looking into it. Heck yeah. And you know what? I actually tried using that. At, I did a car track day recently at Grattan, and there's some setting must have been off because they told me I was doing like 116s. I'm like, that's not possible. That's wrong. So it must have been missing a sector or something along the way. But uh, I found just a, a free app on my phone, and uh, I had one of those super strong magnetic mounts. I just stuck it on the air car vent, and uh, that just worked. It worked all right. Um, you didn't have all the data, but at least told me a more accurate lap time. Um, it wasn't missing any sectors for whatever reason. The other one was. So it was pretty cool to uh, 
to see that in real time to say, that, oh, that was a great time, or that one sucked, or I was, oh, that was traffic that lap, you know, or I was letting yeah. people get by, they were faster than, than me, so um, it's it's pretty cool. I did a, my first ever car track day, I rented a car from a rental place and just took it to the racetrack, and uh, it was just a track day, so open practice, no racing, uh, but it was a blast. Um, the car wasn't that great, it was just a Malibu, <laughs> but uh, uh, I raced it to its limit, and uh, I learned a lot. I never done a card day before, so it, I learned it was point to pass on the straights for beginners. It's uh, point to pass either direction um, for intermediate anywhere on the track, and then just advance, just like normal, don't hit the guy. So, um, and it, it was different, you know, one car per point. And if you want him to pass you on the left, you point out the left or the right over your hood. Uh, but there's some cars that are right side drive, so you got to watch out for them. It'll be pointing out on the other side. Um, it was just, it was very interesting. I went a beginner because my car was so slow, and I never did a car day before. Um, and that was about where the car belonged because it wasn't super fast. But I was getting up to like 106 on the straightaway. Um, but it was a lot of fun. I'd do it again. I just wish I had a, a faster car next time. Yeah, that'd definitely be something fun to try out for a day too. And it wasn't that expensive. I mean, uh, I went with Midnight Motorsports. They do car track days at like Mid-Ohio and local regional stuff. I'm not sure all the events they do, but I know Gretton and Mid-Ohio for sure. Um, and it was like $250 a day or 400 for two days a weekend. Um, so not terrible. And then bring whatever car you want. Heck yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> and there was no requirements for like, I didn't safety wire anything. It was completely stocked. The brakes were stocked. You know, I just, you need a full to closed-toed shoes, pants, and a helmet, a Snell helmet. And uh, I brought gloves, you know, water and a backpack, but no tools. I didn't bring anything. Um, I just like, uh, run what you brung and, and uh, don't break the car. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I actually am looking into renting a go-kart soon for uh, East Lansing Kart Track. Um, it's like a, I think it's a 125 shifter. I'm not sure. I think you might have a tag kart too. Um, but it is, it's not your local rental place, go-karts. It's going to be a little bit quicker than that. So I'm excited yeah, to do yeah. that for the first time. And uh, I've been wanting to do that for a long time. It's just like, how do you get into that? I can't afford to buy one right now, so I'm going to rent one. Um, just going down the rental route. Yeah, no, those shifter carts are definitely, I've seen videos of those, and those are fast. Oh, yeah, they go, some of them over 100 miles an hour. depends on what CC you're running. Yeah, that, that blows my mind for sure. And uh, I think some of the go-karts have the fastest lap times at certain tracks because although they don't have the top speed, the center of gravity is so low, they got four contact patches instead of two, like a motorcycle, uh, and the power-to-weight ratio is just so high. Mm hmm pretty fast. I'm looking forward to doing that, doing some more events. I did Supermoto this year. You ever done Supermoto? I haven't. Bob's got, uh, Bob Swicky's got his little uh, mini moto, Supermoto bike that uh, I was actually going to ride the summer, the upcoming summer before I moved down here. But uh, he got big into that for a minute and it looks fun. It looks like it'd be a blast to do. I, uh, the closest thing I got to Supermoto was the long patch of road that they had at a, a race I went to in Florida, Day in the Dirt, where it's like a old school style motocross GP, like back when tracks weren't really prepped and they were simpler, like long lap times. And uh, you actually run down, they close off a section of a public road and you run down probably a quarter mile on the road. And then it's got a it had a little left-hander up on it, and then you turn left, and you're back into the dirt. But uh, that's the closest I got to Supermoto. Yeah. I went up to uh, Auto City Speedway up in Clio, Michigan, earlier this year with uh, um, with Will Wildner, Great Lakes Supermoto. He's, uh, he's a runner of that organization. And he let me borrow his XR100, uh, Cowie 250, and a Husqvarna 450, all dirt bikes with slick tires and mostly pavement with like 15% or 20% dirt maybe. Um, and so that was my first time ever in Supermoto. Um, in dirt and jumping with slick tires, that was a little nuts for me. 
Um, but it's just, uh, you got to steer with the rear. You know, I was, I was being really tentative with it at first, but uh, I still fell down twice in the dirt. And then once, right when I got on the pavement uh, from coming off the dirt. So, <laughs> uh, but there's no damage on those kind of bikes. You're going pretty slow. It's not like you're going high speed. And uh, it was great learning for me. I did like a couple hundred laps and just trying, trying to learn. And uh, that was my first time riding in that uh, discipline. So you just got to take it slow and put in lap seat time. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, that's like day in the dirt. When we came out onto the road, all the dirt and the sand was getting drug out onto the road and it was slick coming off of it. And you could tell who kind of, and like being from Michigan, in the winters you kind of know about icy roads or yeah so i kind of had an idea a little bit and then i've had i've rode uh street bikes up there so like you get the people that blow their grass onto the road so you kind of know if there's something between the tire and the pavement that it's going to be slick and you could tell kind of who could see that and think about it and who couldn't because there'd be people that'd come out onto the road and they'd slide out sideways for a second have to let off and save it or uh down at the bottom of the road where it turned left, they'd try locking the brakes up and then they'd be sliding into the corner and almost crashing too. And it's like, if you just downshift and carry your momentum through it, it's uh, a lot smoother and you don't scare yourself going into the corner doing 75. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. The other day I was, uh, I got caught in a downpour on my road bicycle um, and I just put new pedals on and I wanted to try it out and it just started sprinkling. I'm like, I'm going to go out. So I went out and uh, became just a, a downpour. So I stopped at the local bar, had a drink or two. They happened to have World Superbike on, so I, you know, watched that race. And it was still raining when I came back. So I, you know, after a couple of drinks, I, I'm on pouring downpour rain with my road bicycle, and then I get a flat tire in the rain. I'm like, <laughs> on my front. And uh, it's like you got to just be, um, you can't panic because if you panic. Um, that's when things go wrong, but nothing bad happened. I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. And I just kept riding home. And <laughs> I didn't have any issues. I didn't have to put my foot down. And uh, I was actually clipped in. And I was like, no, no issues. If you, if you do what the bike wants to do, even if you're on a flat rim, um, it usually works out. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> the biggest thing is staying calm in situations like that. And I bet it's a little hairy when you're going off 20 foot jumps and you're like, oh, this is not a great launch, right? You probably feel that a lot. You probably got to uh, correct a lot in the air. Oh yeah, it's a, uh, you can't ride a dirt, you can't race motocross and have a stiff nature body. Yeah. You gotta be willing to uh, just move all around and make sure the bike gets where it needs to be. Yeah. And that's uh, the biggest thing I've even put into my program is I used to never stretch. And uh, that's what uh, I've been putting into it now is just doing stretching. And it, uh, A, it helps you move around easier on the bike. You're looser on a bike. But B, when, when you crash, because it's not if, it's when. But when you crash, your body's flexible instead of, it tearing on something it might stretch a muscle instead of it tearing it or uh you know even worse so so your crashes um i don't know a ton about so um do you feel like you crash an average amount less than most people more than most people uh everybody crashes it's just how much and how bad right yeah i'm knock on wood i uh i'd say less than average I'm pretty, pretty calculated when it comes to riding. I get in my comfort zone and I slowly step out of it. I don't really ever ride over my head. And it seems like uh, the crashes I do have are in corners, coming into corners or coming out of them. And I'll take those all day long. Like losing over, the front? Yeah, losing the front or not waiting the outside peg and the rear end comes around on you and you high side. Like I'll take those crashes over anything. Yeah, because uh, those ones, I mean, you're a little sore, but it's definitely not as bad as it should be. Could yeah, be worse. The, the biggest worry for me getting into motocross is just uh, they they always say like if you um, if you fall in motocross, you stick instead of slide because you're sticking into the dirt. Do you feel that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it uh, 
that's kind of like the other side of it too is it isn't a flat surface so like even if you're flexible and you try to roll with the crash and carry you know it's hard to process stuff at that speed sometimes but i've had crashes where you know you're going to crash so when you hit you kind of try to keep the momentum going of whatever way you hit and i mean you might end up crashing into like a braking bump coming into a corner though that stops your momentum even if you're trying to tuck and roll so it's just it's uh always changing i feel like uh motorcycle racers should get into like being a gymnast and uh um like stuntman school <laughs> it definitely would uh go hand in hand right learning how to fall learning how to tumble yeah, it's uh, I had a trainer a couple of years ago. He always told me, he goes, you're not training to ride a bike. He goes, you're training the crash. And I was like kind of confused on it for a while. And that's, I mean, if you're not fit and in shape, obviously you can't do 20 minute motos or 30 minute motos. But uh, also if you're not in shape and you're not flexible and you're not agile and loose, then when you do crash, you're going to be stiff. And if you're stiff, it's always a bad result. So yeah. And healthy bodies always recover faster than unhealthy ones. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so heck yeah, man. Um, so you've been uh, creating videos online. Are you a video creator? I forget. Yeah. I've been posting my like, gopros up on youtube here and there i've uh i've been slacking on it for a while now but it's hard because at our races we can't wear them because ama oh, yeah. has banned helmets on or helmet modifications anything stick on a helmet however yeah. it's worded and then uh half the time practicing i if someone's with me, I don't wear my GoPro because I got someone there for lap times. And then if someone's not there, it, half the time of that, I, uh, I'll forget to charge it or I just won't feel like wearing it. Kind of going through the motions type of day or you just want to work on what you need to work on. And I, uh, I've been trying to do the YouTube thing slowly, get into it and see where it goes. I feel like it's something uh, you could be get viral at because of all the race videos and people like to watch, um, you know, your laps and try to learn from you. If you're a fast guy, um, that can be a big thing. There's uh, definitely a lot more riders at the professional level doing it now that I don't know how I want to put it really, but you know, they, if they didn't do it, they wouldn't have the support that they do. But being that social media is such a big impact on it. And then I like the one guy I've been following for a while now, Jeff Walker. It seems like the last two years he's blown up on YouTube. But now that he's got the support from YouTube and everything, he's actually his results are coming around and he's putting more effort into racing. And like it's almost like they get more recognition. So they get more support and everything kind of just goes hand in hand. And, uh, so it's definitely a use a helpful tool to have if uh, you know how to market it right. For sure, and I mean this just cost me an hour of my time plus some editing. Um, I'm, not, I'm just using my laptop camera with no external microphone right now, so it's basically free. Um, just some time. So you know it was cool. I went to Pittsburgh the other day, uh, Pittsburgh International Race Complex for the Moto America Round corner working. I did uh, the weekend, but I was eating lunch one day and some guy just came up to me. He's like, "Hey, you're that." He's like, did you work over there? He's like trying to picture or where to place me. He's like, I know you from somewhere. Who's, oh, you're the podcast guy. I'm like, yeah, yeah thanks for noticing. Like, I had no idea who the guy was. <laughs> Super nice. It's, it's cool. It's, um, I mean, those are my people. I hope those people recognize me because that's kind of who I'm trying to market to. The, the racers, the people who are going to the race, um, riders, um, anybody who likes motorsports or even uh, pedal sports and, you know, uh, Cycling, um, bike racing, <laughs> all of it, cars. Yeah, it's crazy seeing how uh, how much you've grown, but it's also crazy too. Like, 
I was just, I went to lunch yesterday and I had someone message me on Instagram and they're like, I think I just passed you on Weston house. And I was like, red van and everything. He's like, yeah, your number's on the back of it. And I was like, yeah, he's like, I work up in Charlotte too. And I've <laughs> never talked to the guy a day in my life. I know of him. Yeah. I've seen him at tracks, but uh, just crazy how, I don't want to say well-known, well, well-known kind of, but like how, how known you are without knowing <laughs> that you're known. Right. I just, uh, just trying to produce content. I want to produce so much that people can't watch it all. That would uh, definitely keep people entertained. Because <laughs> right now, Cause that's kind of the have... thing is, yeah, go ahead. When, when I was uploading a lot of YouTube videos, it seemed like I was getting more views and more following. And then I kind of spaced out on it now. And my views have went away. So I think it's, you know, if you got more for them to watch that's right there, you know, they're not caught up, then it keeps them going. It keeps more people coming. But when you slow down, everything else kind of slows down with it too, I think. It does. It, you lose, you're not as good as, or what is it? You're only as good as your last race or your last post <laughs> or video, yeah. whatever it is. Um, but like I have, I think, episode 58 is the last one I have out, but this is number 65. So I have a whole bunch of them that I'm just sitting on because I don't have any time. I've been going the last four weekends in a row and uh, I have a bunch of them still coming up. So I'm just hoping I can find some free time and get them done or finally pay someone to do it for me. Either one would be awesome. So I, you know, I'm really hoping to hire another guy by the end of the year, maybe the start of the year. Um, and that might take some, uh, some podcasting off my belt, maybe some daily operations for my business so that I don't have to ship orders myself and, uh, maybe some accounting cause I don't like to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's always a headache, but man, it's definitely growing. I've been selling a lot of exhaust still. That's like the number one thing that and Motul suspension setup tools. Um, they have they're used for any chain machine. And also driven racing. They sell hard parts for sport bikes and um, chain sprockets and um, all kinds of all kinds of stuff. Gas caps. So just trying to uh, keep growing. That's awesome. So uh, yeah, man. We got about uh, 15 minutes left or so. Anything on your mind? Um. Not really a whole lot. Just like I said, trying to kind of put together plans for uh, 2022. Like I said, having to write everything out this year to make a budget. I definitely sold myself short this year, but um, it's a headache seeing how much you really do spend into it. But uh, I'm actually looking into trying to go up to Canada next year and race a couple pro outdoor rounds up there um just to travel and do it and see you know see canada say i raced in canada say i did a professional race up in canada yeah um honestly trying to do anything i can to market myself really you'd be an international motocrosser yeah and i i got the paperwork this year and the information on going up there because i thought about doing it this year kind of a last minute spur of the moment if i could put a program together and uh it just never came together but um it definitely be cool to do i know a lot of people a couple of years ago used to do it and then covid kind of made it where it's a little bit harder but it's still definitely doable yeah uh what about mexico is that too far it's not too far um i've just never looked into it i mean it's definitely farther than canada like canada i can drive up there and do all my quarantine staying in the van and uh do it that way mexico i'd definitely either have to it'd be a long drive or i'd have to line it up where i could fly to it but uh i want to say there was someone over here he's racing the lucas oil pro motocross series now but he won like the mexican pro series uh two years ago maybe three years ago but uh he said he made decent money at it i mean so it's definitely you can travel around and find the money but uh definitely get and get the exposure too it's just 
kind of you got to know the right people yeah or uh put together your own plan with the uh right amount of support and backing and everything which it's uh definitely hard to do because i mean you probably know from racing street bikes there might be more of a return on the on the gp side of it but like for motocross it's hard to go to like a local business owner and be like hey i'll advertise for you but that's really all you're getting in return so it's just you know there's not much return on the business side of it other than the advertisement and a tax write-off for them so it's hard for unless you yeah that advertisement can be directly correlated to dollars like if you can prove that uh because i because you sponsored me a hundred people went to your website today and uh, out of those a hundred maybe you know 10 percent bought something um if you can prove those that data that's valuable um and you could do that with like codes discount codes or like referral codes sometimes um and it's hard to to get those people to scan them but um maybe that's kind of why i'm trying to grow a bigger following so that if you get more people more eyeballs you'd think you'd get more money right yeah and that's like the some of the industry sponsors that i have that's kind of the deal we worked out you know i'll get like a code that i can give out and uh they can see who I bring in or like my graphic company, they hook me up with graphics and anybody that I know that asks for graphics, I send them, you know, the phone number and I say, tell them I sent you do whatever you can. Yeah. And even if it, they don't end up buying the graphics from them, at least kind of, it shows like I'm trying to send people your way. Yeah. But, uh, I mean like as far as small local businesses, like small restaurants or, uh, electrical company or construction company it's hard to for them to justify sponsoring it because like say you're a a electrical company down here in south carolina but i'm up in pennsylvania racing you know it's the sponsor money definitely helps but you're not going to get a new customer from pennsylvania yeah well i mean people travel from all over you know um a chiropractor once sponsored me and I was uh, I was out in West Side, Michigan. This was chiropractors in like uh, Sterling Heights area, um, hours away. And somebody happened to was like, oh, I know that person. I know that business, you know. And I go there. Um, so it's it's uh, it's a small world. Um, I think there still is value to it. And and nowadays everything being on the internet, you know, um, maybe you would call that company. Maybe they're not going to make the drive hundreds of miles away, but maybe your aunt has a um a house right next to that business and you might you know um might might use it for something else so you never know oh yeah that's that's been my big selling point with trying to get new sponsors on board is you know i i've kind of seen it the social media following is huge now so that's kind of almost my last stitch effort of trying to throw it out there you know because i'll social media post do whatever i can or uh sign jerseys number plates at the end of the year whatever whatever i can do to help them out yeah on top of sending people their way right um and something you know i thought of is uh man if i could sell these parts for businesses maybe they'll sponsor me too because not only can i help them make money um at the least i'll be able to get it at cost but maybe if i'm selling them you know 10 grand a month maybe they'll throw me a couple of thousand to sponsor me at the end of the day. So who knows? Yeah. But that's kind of my plan is like, if I can actually sell these products for the companies, I'm more of an asset than just the racer. You know, I can actually make them money, you know, improve it because I can sell it rather than just um, advertising for them and they sell it. So um, it's a long journey. I'm not there quite yet, but I'll try it. Yep, that's exactly right <laughs> just trying to find a way i know there's a will so there's definitely a way somewhere yeah and about how many races are you doing uh, a season now you're doing like um uh weekends and, and how many races per weekend sometimes yeah so <laughs> the local series i got a couple of local sponsors that helped me out this year so i did i'm doing a local series for them and that's uh 
I think it ends up being like 18 races, but you got to do 12 to be eligible for the series at the end of the year for the banquet and all that. So I'm going to be right at 12 with all my traveling. Um, we just finished up another series. and I think that was 12 races too. So that's 24. And then I'm at, uh, I'd say it's probably about 30 to 40 races a year. Okay. Quite a bit. You get a lot of seat time that way and uh, get a lot of race pre- race time under your belt. Yeah, but it's, uh, like I said, it's hard because for local sponsors, they like seeing you do the local series. And uh, but those are like little five lap races. So then it's like trying to go the following day, go do my longer motos to keep my endurance up. So it's uh, I, I enjoy local racing. It's fun, especially with uh, the people, the series and everything that we do, the people that run it, the people that are around it. But um, it's definitely almost it's fun and everything. It's almost counter productive of uh the pro-ams and the pro-nationals that i want to do next year as far as endurance wise but yeah i still definitely got to work on getting my speed up too so doing five lap sprints at a local race helps with speed yeah i would assume you probably do faster lap times in that one rather than the other one the longer uh i tried doing the same lap times it's just trying to hold that lap time for 20 minutes or 30 minutes is I get pretty hard on myself because I don't I I can't let go of my ego almost and say it's 30 minutes go a second slower to see if you can't hold that for 30 minutes I still try yeah like whenever Bailey goes with me I'll try beat my lap time as long as I can and just see if I can make it 15 minutes with beating it or holding it and uh or see if I can't go 20 minutes or however long I can go before my lap time starts dropping. And uh, how much does a full fuel tank affect you when you start the the moto versus at the end? So uh, on a 450, you can go 45 minutes before you run out of gas. 40, well, about 50, because that day in the dirt race, I signed up for a class, it was called Coupe de Gras, and it was actually like a survival race and ended up being almost two hours. So they had like planned out pit stops and everything, but I was on a 125 for that. So we were stopping every 30 minutes to fill up just to be safe. But a couple people I knew on 450s, they said that they were doing about 45 minutes to 50 minutes before they'd fill up. Okay. So we're definitely not worried about fuel doing a 30 minute moto, but, um, now, like, as far as the weight and stuff, too, on top of it, I don't notice it that much of a difference. It's just pretty much the same feel. It's not a, yeah. It's not that big of a tank, right? You're only doing a couple of gallons in there at the most. Yeah, it's only, like, a two-and-a-half-gallon tank, I think, or two-gallon tank. Okay. Because on the, some of the bigger bikes, you feel it sloshing around in there if you got a full tank. It's, it's a, I don't know, it could be four-and-a-half gallons up to, I think, three, four gallons. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely sure on a street bike. Yeah. Leaning over into a corner, if you're at, like, half a tank or something, and it goes from one side to the other, it might give you, like, a... Uh, Just kind of a sloshy feel. Yeah, it, like, it breaks away, and then it catches type feeling. You, yeah. you notice it hit, but it doesn't physically do anything other than that little half second that you feel it move around. Right, and some people, they put, like, baffles in there or, like, big sponges, so it goes uh, moves slower. I've never used any of that, but might help. I don't know. I don't know if it's really necessary. Um, so are you messing with, uh, like, your stabilizer a lot, like the settings, or you like it pretty – again, a street bike, you can have it really stiff or, or really loose for your handlebars um, as far as how quickly they go from lock to lock. Yeah. Um, if you get a big tank slapper on a street bike, it could be bad real quick. So everybody has to have a stabilizer. Um, but most people like it fairly light. You don't want it to be like you got to crank it over in the corners. But um, a little bit of damping is really helpful. Do you do that on your bike? So we don't actually run steering stabilizers. They make them. Yeah. But we have a uh, on our steering stem nut itself, you can actually turn it in and tighten it that way. Okay. But I'm kind of the same way. I don't like it 
super, super easy, but if it's sitting on the stand, I like to, you know, if I barely touch the left side, I like it to kind of slowly turn. And then when gravity breaks free, it goes the rest of the way to the lock. Yeah. But I mean, I know people that ride it where you put it on the stand and you wiggle the seat and the bars go lock to lock. And I know people that have it where you can't even turn them. And I'm, I was like, I just like kind of middle of the road. Yeah basic yeah. and easy how it comes from the factory i feel like you should be you should want to feel the bike moving but not too i mean you want it to move a little bit you want it to do what it wants to do but um not too much not out of control for um, sure yeah we call it that uh like the front end being twitchy if it's moving around too much or so you'll be in a corner and if it's twitchy you know you'll end up knifing it more because you know, a quarter of an inch is going to tuck the front end. Doesn't take much. No, so I, that's, I just middle of the road and keep it basic and simple. So about what lean angle do you think you can achieve on that bike? Is it, um, well, it depends if you have berms or not, right? Yeah, yeah. I say it definitely <laughs> depends on uh, how rough the track is, how a corner is set up, everything like that. And uh, I've had a, you know, like some of the tracks where it's deeper ruts, we'll drag our foot pegs in the corner. Or uh, if a rut develops right pretty good and it's deep enough, like we can drag our handlebars in it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's a fun feeling. It's hard. It's hard to do. I shouldn't really say it's hard to do. It's just committing to it. But I mean, you're you're definitely laid over if you're doing it. Are you a big scrubber trying to get over the the hills low as possible? Um, I don't do like the fancy sideways and flat scrubs and everything. I almost try to, if I can, I'll soak it up with my body more. Yeah. And as the bike's coming up to me, I push it down with uh, my body instead of trying to be all fancy sideways. And I definitely still scrub like that, but it's one of those, like I was just talking to Bob I sent him a picture from when I first came down here and then one this year. And I was like, when I first came down here, I was like, it took effort to do that. And I sent him the other one. I said, it doesn't, it didn't even feel like I did anything besides let the bike come up into my hips a little bit and then push it back down off the face. And it was like completely sideways compared to almost sideways. Yeah. It's just, you get comfortable with it and you keep pushing it and um, it becomes a new normal. Yeah exactly um so how long did it take you to, to learn to do a whip and uh i'm sure people can get it real wrong doing that um like uh, getting the rear tire off to the side in the middle yeah, of the, car, in the back. i could do whips back in like 2013 kind of like looking back now they're definitely not whips but at the time i thought they were even at the time, I don't think they were that big, but I thought, you know, I knew what I was doing. But uh, compared to now, I can – I definitely still can't whip as big as some people, but from where I started, I can definitely get it flat and sideways. And my favorite's doing – at a, one of the practice tracks we got, they got a fun jump to throw whips off of, but throwing a whip and then looking over and seeing the rear fender and the rear tire sticking up in the air, that's a cool feeling right there. So what's some tips for whips? I honestly, it's, I'm horrible about explaining that, but I think a lot of it's in your legs and your hips. Okay. And, uh, uh just leaning with it off the face. All right. Uh, I'll be sure to remember that. It's, uh, well, like you were saying, it's almost a feel you get more and more comfortable with it. Cause I've watched videos and like, I've even tried to process in my brain of like, when I do one, what like my leg feels like, or if my outside legs catching or the inside legs pushing or anything like that. And it's almost like you have to shut your brain off and go with the feel. Yeah. And those, those end up being the bigger whips I throw. Is there an easier side for you? A side that you like better, right or left? Yeah. So if I, like want to do like a normal whip uh like seat bounce whip and everything go up high and don't really care about trying to stay low 
going to the left, I can do it. And I can still scrub to the left, but scrubbing to the left, it's more of my body doing the work instead of the bike. But if I go to the right, I can scrub and stay low, but I can't do a normal whip to the right, which is weird. Huh. So it's like the, um, the force of the tires or the engine somehow playing against you or just a personal feel. I, I, it's personal feel, which is, you almost think it'd be backwards. Like scrubbing to the left would be easier because you're pulling the throttle into you. But yeah. I'm almost wondering, cause like when I scrub, I end up leaving the bike wide open in the air and over revving in the air. So I think that's why it's easier to go to the right. Cause I'm pulling the throttle away from my hand. Okay. So it helps it already start over revving and I just let the motor inertia bring it back most of the time. You know, I, I snowboarded for many years and I tried to learn how to uh, ride switch completely the whole, the whole time. And uh, I, I didn't really realize I didn't know how to ride or teach myself how to ride until I learned how to do it, switch, do it the other way, just as, as good. Um, it's like relearning it a whole new direction is actually kind of tough. Yeah. Cause you gotta <laughs> reteach your body, everything you know about it. Yeah. So you really have to focus on it and concentrate on it. For sure. I found that I wasn't turning my shoulders enough. I thought I was far enough over, but, um, going switch, I noticed they were way further turned. Um, but once I started turning my shoulders, it started clicking. I was like, oh, this is normal. I, I recognize this. Oh. Yeah, man. Um, do you want to give any last uh, sponsor shout outs? We just hit our hour mark. So I'm trying to wrap it up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I definitely got to thank you for helping me out throughout the year, throwing up my social media post, everything, and uh, the gear bag earlier this year. I've been using that. Yeah, the OGO. Yep, that thing's been awesome. Awesome, man. You're welcome. And then, uh, you know, Bob still, he helps me out, even though I'm down here. And uh, Curry Electric's been helping me this year. I ended up blowing up uh, two bikes back in the spring. And Robert at Curry, he's been, he's got two uh, Kawasaki's as well. And he let me race one for a while, keep me riding and keep me going. And then uh, Jason Young's and Bailey Young's, obviously, they took me in. They're like a whole second family. My dad and mom still, they help me out to this day. And uh, can't thank them guys enough either. Just one racing. They've been, like I said, killing it with gear and helmets. Uh, blood lubricants for the oil. And uh, High Times Motorsports for stepping up, helping out for uh, the Baja Brawl. That's huge. And then um, Liquid Skins Designs for the graphics. Keeping my bike looking fresh as it can be for the year uh troy crisp at a bdr suspension that dude it doesn't matter where i'm at where he's at i text him and tell him it's the bike's doing something and he says try this or try that or i mean he just goes above and beyond trying to get my suspension right he uh will revalve it and do whatever we got to do to get it handling right um Moto VIP in Georgia. That's where I've been kind of going and training whenever I got the money to do it. Uh, Bobby and that whole family, they're great. And then uh, Justin Lucky, he hooked me up with a seat actually about a month ago. Um, he bought a bike that he was just going to flip, a Yamaha. And he, know, or he knew that my seat was kind of beat up a little bit. And then uh, this one had a tall seat on it. So he hit me up and was like, yeah, like, come get this seat. He's like, I'm going to end up selling it. So that helped me out huge because I didn't have any clue of how I was going to end up buying one of those seats. Yeah, yeah. Um, Like I said, the Petrakas for taking me in at the One Pro-Am. That family has been great. The Newberries as well for taking me in up at uh, Devil's Ridge at the last Pro-Am, giving me a hotel room and food and everything. That's been huge help and grateful for and uh eks goggles for keeping me going with tear offs lenses whatever i need for the year um rhino power has been my nutritional supplement that i've been using so that's been a huge help as well and um stubs 11 before i forget them that's the biggest one too 
I feel bad for almost forgetting them, but yeah, Stubbs 11's been, they, she's been taking care of me all year with doing monthly sponsorships on Facebook or whatever it is that I need. So, uh, I mean, sometimes it might only be like $50 I win a month or something, and that $50 ends up buying brake pads that I didn't know how I was going to end up paying for. So that's been helpful beyond uh, beyond many things on that one. Yeah, and uh, if you don't have one already, you should get a Venmo and a PayPal me and a Cash App so that if people want to help you out with $10, $20 here and there or you know, um, a little bit of cash, a donation, uh, they can have a place to do that. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, I already have all of those set up. It's, uh, I buy, sell gear all the time. And uh, that's how I end up paying through it was with uh, Cash App and Venmo. Uh, I use PayPal a lot. I don't know if we want to throw it up on here or not, or however we want to do it. But yeah, like you said, yeah, anything. Head over to Joe's page, and I'm sure he'll help you out finding that link, right? You got links out there. Yeah, like I said, uh, I mean, you share it all the time. My Instagram's still jcrem388. Facebook's uh, Joseph Kremko. Definitely, if anybody listening wants to help out for 2022, I'll either, even if you guys say you don't want to have your name on the bike or anything, at the least, like, I'll put your name on the rear fender or something, like, anything goes far away for me, and I'm forever thankful for anybody that's ever helped me out. Yeah. Well, very good, man. I'm going to take the next couple of weeks to get this posted, hopefully sooner, um, but uh, make sure we tag everybody we talked about when it gets posted. Definitely. Thank you. All right, man. Have a good night, and I'm going to go finish the lawn. Sounds good. All right, bye.